Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have Stephen Moy. Stephen Moy has worked in the industry for the last 25 years, helped nearly 4,000 families, has been recognized in Scotsman Guide as a top originator in 2020, 21, top 1% originator. Basically, he's done a lot of cool things. And so I'm just excited to kind of have a conversation and learn a little bit more about you. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So give us some context. Who are you? Like, give us a background. Obviously, I kind of just gave you the, uh, he's a famous guy that's done a bunch of things, but tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are and what kind of got you into the industry all those 25 years ago. I've been in the business for 25 years. And actually what got me into the business was I was working at a grocery store and I was studying to be a uh, high school social science teacher. And I paid my way through college through a band and a couple of the guys in the band ended up getting in the mortgage business, doing Title I loans. And my fiance, my wife now, was uh, going to law school. And when I found out how much they were making, I uh, figured, well, I could do that. And what was interesting was the guy that became my sales manager was like, yes, you can. He had sold cars and stuff. And was like, yeah, even though there's nothing in your background on your resume that says you should be able to do this, I know you can do this. And so the owner of the company, who was the keyboardist of the band I had been in, gave me a shot. And after the first year, I was the number two guy in the company. And the reason was that I knew who my clients were because they had been going through the grocery line for the last 13 years. And so I immediately had empathy because if I was speaking with them on the phone and never met them, I kind of knew their story or was empathetic with it. And at the time I was hired, I was hired along with a bunch of guys who had USC MBAs. And what I realized is that in terms of financial type transactions, mortgages are really, it's a liberal art. It's about telling a story. It's about aspiration. And it's not about the numbers per se. The numbers are important, but it's more about the narrative, the story. And that was like one thing that made me successful was that I understood that just implicitly without you know, having to be coached into that. Sure. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's kind of like so many times people, and I think in the mortgage industry, especially, you know, they get right into the numbers like you talked about and they forget that what really matters when it comes to sales conversation is, you know, the goals and motivations of the particular individual that you're talking to. Right. And so they get into all of the intricacies of DTI and LTV and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, ultimately ends up confusing the prospect instead of, you know, what you're trying to do, which is educate them, but you're really just confusing them. So I love that you talked about like the story, the narrative is really what's more important in terms of, you know, success in one, probably converting these people, but two, just, you know, having better conversations. Would you say so? Absolutely. And also creating an environment where you're trusted. And, you know, I think that like many industries, the mortgage business can be kind of bogged down by jargon. So it's important when you're having that conversation to avoid that and to try and use analogies so that people kind of understand their aspects of a transaction that can seem very esoteric or remote. 
like what happens when a raid is locked you know like sure you hear that term but a lot of loan officers don't understand or explain it to their clients and there's other aspects of the transaction so that people understood it. and my son once when he was eight asked me what it is do i do and i say i tell stories using alternate forms of documentation because a lot of times you're selling to the client they want a house they want something but you also have to sell it to underwriting you know you right. have to sell it to a third party to want to do that loan and that's sometimes the piece that gets forgotten in the transaction. Mm -hmm. And so once he kind of saw what I'm doing with it, he kind of understood it. And then also said, I never want to do what you do. But he had heard <laughs> too many conversations on the phone with him in the backseat with me with clients. So he was like, yeah, not for me. He doesn't <laughs> want to do loan officer duties, huh? That's funny. But yeah, maybe that'll change at some point. But I think the die is guest. No, he's not happening. So, well, it is what it is. But I love the analogy that you put with that is that you just tell stories. It is true, right? I mean, with underwriting, it's just, you know, like you don't want to give them too much information, but you want to give them enough, right? A you know, it's mistake, like, it's like, yes. A lot of times if an explanation requires more than three sentences, it's probably not the explanation you can go with. And that's where trust is important. Not so much that they trust that you're going to do a good job, but that they trust you enough to tell you the truth. Right. Because people live complicated and big lives sometimes, but sometimes people will try and they will hold back the truth. They're embarrassed that they could be, you know, defensive. It can seem intrusive, which is, that's why trust and people understanding that you're on their side, you're their advocate is really crucial to a good transaction. And one of the things, you know, that I'm really proud of is that since I've been with, you know, New American Funding the last three years, if someone Googles me, there's over 200 five-star reviews. There's a couple more that are less than five stars, but, you know, 95% are five stars. And if they were all five stars, no one would believe it anyway. So Right, right. Yeah, there's something about, you know, having some negative reviews that's actually okay, as long as it's not the majority of them being negative. Because humans are humans, and humans are going to do what they want to do. And even if you do a prime job, they might still give you three or four stars just because, hey, you know what, they didn't like the way someone looked at them, right? But let's, let's talk. Sometimes if it goes too smooth, people that's don't true. realize how much work you did, you know, because there is a bit of sausage making. And there's an old saying, there's two things you don't want to see being made. One is law the other one is sausage and the third is probably loans to a certain degree just because sure. meta questions and stuff and even just kind of knowledge you have to be able to pick out of the air sometimes to make a deal go through doesn't translate to what the borrower is expecting and you know sometimes that just rolls with it you know sure i think more important than the number of stars is you know the comments you know consistent i was on time you know i communicated right. well so let's touch on, you talked about like, you know, the trust and things like that. And I know a lot of, you know, maybe not a lot, but a good amount of your business is direct to consumer, right? Dealing directly to the consumer. How do you build trust? I mean, you're right. I mean, it's a very intrusive as a loan officer. You probably know more about someone's, you know, financials and things like that than most people do ever, maybe even their significant other, right? So how do you build that trust with someone that doesn't know who you are, right? Like doesn't have that know, like, and trust like a referral would. How do you build that with basically a cold prospect? One of the things, you know, if I get them on the phone, I think it's important to always ask, you know, why they're calling. Like, sure. are there any questions you'd like me to answer before you get started? Because they might be calling because 
the wife said, you got to go. You got to go. This guy. Or, you know, there might be a well-meaning uncle who's like, you know, you got to buy a house. You know, right. and so it's good to get an understanding of where they are in the process. I think also one of the things that I will do while I'm on the phone is I will verify their cell phone number and I will text them my contact information and a link to my online reviews. Sure. So they know who they're talking with and also, hey, by the way, there's a link of over 200 online reviews so you know who you're talking with. And I do this whether it's a referral or a consumer direct call because the thing is a lead 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 you know sure. there used to be this hierarchy about you know if you were a loan officer that did you know three loan self-gen a month you were somehow higher on the <laughs> hierarchy than a loan officer who does you know four self-gen loans a month and then five company provided leads like somehow if there were leads that came from an alternate source they were somehow tainted leads Right, um, right. I was talking with some recruiting people. Better, you know, was a huge consumer direct company. And if right. you look at the Scotsman Guide, you have a lot of people on there who do, you know, were very high up there. But right. if you look at their like refi quotient, it's, you know, 100% refi. Right. But, you know, I was talking with some, it's like, you know, because you recruit those people now as things kind of go. But my thing was that if you do 400 million of anything, there's right. probably some skills that are transferable. You might not wow them at a realtor, you know, lunch and learn, you know, but obviously you learn guidelines, you learn process, and there may be stuff that's transferable. And I think the distinction is, is that, you know, if you're closing loans, you know, and you're originating from a wide amount of, you know, you need to have a diversified source of leads, whether it's sure. previous clients, realtors, you know, converting internet leads, uh, financial planners or whatever, you know, sure. it's important to be diversified and the hierarchy needs to be readdressed as far as what constitutes a productive loan officer. I think it's more pride from people that are like, oh, I'm a direct, I get my own stuff. I don't get completely provided leads. In my opinion, if you can convert internet leads, you're a much better salesperson than someone who's getting referrals. So like, you're right. I mean, you know, from one perspective, like maybe you're not going to be the best at getting referrals, but that's fine. You can build that. Like there's still a lot of skills. From my so, experience, the call center so guys are great at sales. So New American Funding, they provide, you know, loan officers can opt in and get leads provided and they're very good aggregated sure. leads. Sure. But the majority of my business is still self-gem because sure. once I've closed a lead through that, it becomes mine. And I'm still marketing to that client on my own. I'm watching rates and I'm getting referrals from those people, which are all technically self-gen. The thing sure. is, is if I was on my own, you know, completely self-gen, I would still be spending a certain amount for marketing. Right. And, you know, in a market where you wouldn't necessarily put all your eggs in one basket for going after realtors, particularly sure. because I mentioned this statistic before, but I'll mention it again. So in 2015, 65% of all purchase deals were referred to by the realtor. Now it's right. less than 30%, still important, but whoever controls the lead controls the loan. Right. And the good thing about controlling the lead is you can pick realtors that you work well with, that you can speak truth to, um, that aren't going to second guess you all the time. Because, hey, you know, I had to fire a realtor that sent me three deals because I had sent her one and it was a good deal and she was horrible. Sure just micromanaging me. And this was during the height of the, uh, it was the height of COVID. And 
we had a 23 day close and you know, we were doing a first, second combination with 10% down, but what happened was uh, TCF that was doing the HELOC pulled out. So we had to do a cash out refinance on a non-owner occupied property that was out of state. And so we closed the loan in 24 days. We would have closed it on time, but the wire for the cash out deal hit too late. And sure. she was like wanting to call my boss. This is your reputation. And you know, hey, you know, I tell my boss, hey, what's going on? He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You referred this deal to the, yes, yes, I did. And, he, and we closed it in 24 days during the height of a pandemic where we, a week into it, we had to completely switch gears. Uh, right. Yeah. And we're closing one day late because a wire hit a little late because it was on a Friday. Yeah. Wow. Sounds kind of interesting when you see that. Like, she called me six weeks later wanting a little bit of the crack, wanting a little bit more leads. Things are slowed down for her. And I'm like, we can't work together. I'm sorry. And she was wanting to give me a, I have a client for you. And it's, I don't, I can't work with you. You yeah. micromanage too much. Like I can't, well, I couldn't tell her like, Hey, we're going to be uh, two hours late on docs. Oh my God, this is your reputation. Ah. Like, well, I told yep, yep, yep. And he wasn't upset as you. But, you know, you look at their production, you see like they've done one loan and one transaction in 14 months. And you're kind of like, you know, I understand why you're pressing, but still. What I'll say is the truth about getting direct to the consumer, which is, again, one of the reasons why we even started this podcast is that you do get to control it. Right. And I see all the time loan officers like, well, the consumer goes to the real estate agent first. And I actually didn't even know that stat that it's only 30 percent now that are coming directly through a realtor. So and the reason that is, is because. Realtors kind of cut themselves in the throat because they were saying, well, you need to be pre-approved. Well, the minute that you right. go off track or your preferred lender, you know, doesn't return the call or whatever, the minute that you go off the reservation and the client starts shopping around, you know, they may come into somebody. But also you're seeing a lot of real estate companies trying to play catch up by doing joint ventures or trying to find the lead first. But it even got worse because during the pandemic, like how do most realtors generate business? I would guess open houses is- Yeah, and belly to belly and stuff like that. When you have a pandemic, you don't necessarily have a lot of open houses. And sure. so being pre-approved becomes more important. And so, you know, because I was able to refer agents to pre-approved buyers during a, most of the pandemic, I was in a good position. You know, that's still serving me well, given everything else. That's what I'll say is, again, I mean, for anybody who's listening, I mean, that's the value of going direct to the consumer. And the other thing to remember, and we'll talk about this here in a second, is like, just because you start paying for advertising doesn't mean you're going to start, you know, making a return in, you know, 15 days, 30 days. It's going to take time to nurture some of these people, but you start to build the pipeline of people that are going to close in the future. So I guess speak to that, like, you know, what does kind of that nurture process look like? How do you, you know, build that pipeline, make sure that you don't let any, you know, leads kind of fall through the cracks and making sure that, you know, when you are doing your follow-ups, you kind of have a good cadence and system for that kind of stuff. You need to have a good CRM and you need to use it. The difference between what's considered a good loan officer say you know in san diego you know one and a half million would be a eh, good loan officer and being a top 10 percent, which would be about three million is really about two to three deals a month where most loan officers really they don't use their database so they sure. don't keep track of their previous clients so they don't have a campaign for that and also it takes six to 12 touches when you get a deal to be able to convert 
And sure. so obviously, you know, you need to have scripts and a protocol for a deal coming in, which usually should be an email, a call and a text. And you usually want to try and have six touch points in the first 72 hours. Then make sure that you have a campaign that goes through. And then I send out a weekly newsletter that goes out to my entire database, which just talks about what's going on in the mortgage business and what's going on with the interest rates, which is something that I've had to develop you know, a certain amount of working knowledge with. And then you need to always take really good notes in your CRM and do uh, reminder calls. Now, you know, and set up drip campaigns, but, you know, obviously the touch points kind of get more splintered out. But like, you know, if I look through my current database right now, out of my current database of about nine loans, three of them are people that have been in my database since 2020. Yeah. Because I will say, I mean, we've had clients been with us for years and like they're closing deals from one, two, three years ago that were generated and it's huge. And obviously a lot of times, you know, when you're doing referral only, you don't understand that the average sales cycle, when I mean sales cycle, I mean the consumer buyer's journey is actually not 30 days like you think it is. Because when you get the deal from a referral partner, there are people that are ready to go and ready to buy today. You get them in the contract, you're ready to go. But when you're dealing with someone who's just started looking, they went on the internet, they clicked on an ad and they put their information in, those people may be six to 24 months out from buying. They might be ready to buy today, but a lot of times you're gonna be six to 24 months out. How do you capture those people and nurture them so that when they are ready, they reach out to you? I think that's the big thing that most people don't think about. Well, you have to have a good CRM. You also have to make sure that you're writing good notes and providing those things in order to jog your memory. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that so many times people forget is notes. Like. I mean, again, I think a lot of loan officers are going to be some people that are like not as detail oriented. And I think, you know, and especially if you're talking to a lot of people, especially if you're doing lead buys and, you know, and talking direct to the consumer, notes are going to be huge because you're going to talk to so many people. Everybody's going to melt together. And you're going to forget like what they talked about. And if you can reference that, it's going to create huge trust in the future. Right. Like, hey, last time we talked, you said this, this and this. Oh, yeah. You know, how's your dog doing? I heard it barking in the background last time, you know, like weird stuff like that. That'll actually like help and create yeah, that you have trust to of differentiate yourself. And also, you know, the minute I'm on the phone with them, I text them my contact information and a link to my online reviews because that builds credibility. But most loan officers really don't spend enough time on their database because it's not sexy, you know, but you should be in your database probably one to two hours a day. And I time budget for that. Like time blocking? Yeah. Nice. So do you do one to two hours a day on just calling your past prospects or is this like in general, your prospecting windows or is this for like just your database and you have other, just other windows? database for... in terms of making sure that it's up to date and that notes are there. I mean, if you calculate, you know, calling past clients and, you know, calling refer, like this morning I have to, I was asked to refer a realtor from a previous client. So, you know, I had to kind of go through my database for that. But also to set trigger points, you know, if I know that someone closed in the last, you know, three months, there's a certain trigger point when it may make sense for them to refinance. In 2023, there will be a lot of opportunity for refinances. It's just a matter of whether we're going to see it sooner rather than later. And so a lot of my time is kind of putting in, okay, I'm going to call at this point or check rates so that I know a lot of times with my reminders, they were set from April. Oh, check rates. And like, oh, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> they'll still get my you know, weekly newsletter and stuff like that, sure. but I'm not going to be calling them about rates per se. You know. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, the rates got so much better. They're 7% today, right? No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, exactly. seriously. 
But yeah, I like that. And I do think you're right. It's funny. We had a loan officer that talked about this same concept that you're talking about, which is if you're not marketing to your database, those are no longer your clients. Like those are not your clients anymore. Someone else is going to market them and get them on the next transaction. So it sounds like based off of what you're doing, I mean, you would be that guy that like, you know, you're getting lead buys and you're working your database. So someone else well, the isn't working buys, their database. The lead buys in New American is different than if I was at another company because sure. American has a call center that's called a local buyer connect because the chupacabra with lead buys is getting purchase business. That's the right. hardest thing. And so they really concentrate on that. And so what happens is, is those deals get live transferred over to me and nice. then I will talk to them and they have a different call center for refinances and retention but sure. local buyer connect is more as part of a way to develop purchase business. So I'm not writing a check on those leads. I will get lower comp sure, of course. on the initial one, but I would rather take lower comp on a deal than have to write a check if I don't have to. Sure, sure. But also their system is a little bit more vetted in live lead transfers. But the nice thing about it is you know, 80% of those leads don't have realtors. So now I can refer a realtor yep. and, you know, develop that relationship and I can pick the realtor that I want to work with. And I do that very strategically as well. And again, that's huge because, you know, it's one of the things we talk about is helping loan officers flip the status quo and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And the reason for that is because, again, I mean, like for a long time, the status quo has been that real estate agents are on top and loan officers are reaching out to them. And some real estate agents know that and they treat it that way, right? There's obviously a lot of good real estate agents out there that they respect their lenders and, you know, it's a partnership, but then there's some that are like, you know, calling them at 10 o'clock at night. And if they don't answer, they're going to call the next person. Like it's just a vendor right. to them, right? And so you get to choose who you want to work with. It's true because a good loan officer understands a realtor's job than a lot of realtors. But the way the system is, the way that a lot of realtors are taught is I'm the quarterback. Well, right. you know, you could be Ryan Leaf as a realtor. Um, <laughs> well, like you look at the chargers, sure. They have a really good quarterback prospect, you know, say the quarterback's the realtor, but Justin Herbert didn't have a great game against Denver because his center, you know, if the realtor is the quarterback, the center is involved in 65% of the deal. They have to call coverages. They have to right. blow bodies over and all of that. And so that's how I like, and describe my role when I'm talking to a new real estate agent, you know, Loan officer is a real blue collar lunch pail position. It's not glamour. If a loan officer, you know, is too pretty or too attractive or, you know, when I was into cars, you know, I had a really nice car, but I would never take it to meet with a client because I didn't ever want them to feel like I was charging too much. So you have like right. the, you know, the late model, you know, Honda, like, yeah, you know, you have to be, it's a really humbling profession and you'll never get the glamour. Nobody's ever going to be, nor should they want to have me do like fashion poses and all of that. <laughs> I'm doing a loan for this realtor who's very good, but I mean, she's a model and there's no reason she should have stopped because she's good at both. But um, sure. like, I would never do like photo shoots or anything like that. Like, you know, yep. the most yep. I'll do is the occasional Instagram reel playing ukulele or something. Yeah, well, hey, it is what it is. Everybody's different, which is cool. You mentioned the cool concept when we were off the recording. Do you mind bringing that back up? Talking about, you know, what was it called? The uh, lead bleed or something like that? What was it again? So your database is gold. Sure. You know, if you're digging for oil, some of it's going to be right at the top and some of it's 
you're going to have to go kind of deep. But I never really understood this till I went to work for a company. And the guy that I was working for was well-renowned as someone who knew how to buy internet leads and knew how to make it work. And he was using a system like Velocify to kind of sure. manage it, but he wasn't using the company CRM. And I'm like, dude, you know, this must cost you a lot. Like, and so I went into his CRM and just set up a birthday campaign and then just a check-in camp. Cause I was like, dude, you're spending a lot of money, you know, we're bros. So I set up a birthday campaign and I set up a, uh, Hey, just checking in loan check-in type. Uh, it was a campaign that they had like within a week, he had more deals from previous clients contacting him than he can manage with all the new stuff, but he's sure. still never like, Oh, I should spend more time on this, you know, or equal time, you know, managing just the closed clients. So you're not losing them efficiency is a big part of if you're going to be successful in the business. And if you're just buying, 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 but not managing what you have. And a lot of times loan officers, you know, they'll complain about leads. Oh, these leads suck. Well, you know, if you're spending five minutes a day on them, yeah, they're going to suck. You know, you need to devote probably an hour or two to your database, just making sure things are up to date. Now, a lot of people have a lot more time. Things are slower, but Here's what's going to happen, you know, in six to 12 months, rates are going to come down and there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Well, because I have campaigns and I have reminders, I already have it set up that on certain people, when rates hit a certain point, I'm going to be in touch with them. Sure. And I have stuff all set up, ready to go. Like it's time here, we're going to go. And, you know, I will have a lot of refinance business. And it will probably occur just very quickly. And then mm -hmm. you will generate more, you know, refi business off of that. And 2023 sure. will be a very good year for the people that are still in it. The challenge I see with 2023 is that so many companies have let people go, operations people, the companies that didn't kind of plan for this are going to really struggle with their turnaround times because they won't be able to get ops people up. My plan is that I'll have enough in just previous clients that I won't have to necessarily go after outside of clients, which sometimes in a refi market can be a little harder to keep loyalty. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, because they're going to shop you for sure. Here's the thing that sucks about the mortgage business is how it's viewed. If you're a really good financial planner and you've been doing it for 25 years, nobody questions what your comp should be. Nobody shops you you know, against, well, I could just do an index fund. You know, if you're an accountant and you're doing someone who's got eight, you know, corporations and stuff, you know, nobody's sure you can't do it for $2,000. Or, you right. know, if you're an attorney and, you know, you're asked to get somebody's cousin off death row for a murder they didn't commit, you know, they're not going through, what's it cost to get somebody off death row? But in the mortgage business, like, Everything is fixated on rate, which is important, but the biggest challenge with consumer direct is how do I convey to a client that I've never met before that somebody at another company probably has six months in the industry where I have 25 years in the industry? How do you convey that and why should that be important? And that's a challenge that the industry hasn't done. And part of it is just that you have to develop efficiencies and acquisition. And that's why database is so important. That's why sure. client retention is. 
in, so important. And also I think being flexible in terms of comp. If somebody comes to me who's a previous client and I basically need a pay stub and a W-2 to get their loan, I'm not going to hold out for top comp on them. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, you made it easy for me. You came back to me. I'm going to do what I can to make sure that you stay in the fold, my son. Right. That's funny. You talked about the lead bleed and having those efficiencies. I mean, so the biggest thing is what? Good CRM, using automations, but then reminders. It sounds like you're just allowing automation and technology to assist you. And I'm assuming you just wake up every day and you have kind of like tasks, you know, that are available for you to do based off of, you know, the actions that you maybe took three, six, 12, you know, 24 months ago saying, Hey, I need to reach out to these people. So on, you know, 1021, which is today, October 21st, you said you have a whole list of things you have to do. All right, well, I got to reach out to these 50 people today. And that's because of all the notes. That's kind of what your process looks like. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yes, it does. And, um, and a lot of times it means sometimes on the weekend, I'm having to clear it up. Um, but there's other things that are not so efficient. Like if I get a new client, I send a handwritten thank you card with yeah. my business card just because, hey, we had a nice conversation because that's another way of kind of reinforcing it. And it's also something that people don't expect, but also sure. people need reminders. And yep. when this podcast comes on air, I'm going to be sending it to my entire database. Love you it. Know? Love it. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. And I think there's value to doing things that don't scale, right? And I think I made a post the other day about how, you know, the online application is the worst thing that's happened to the mortgage industry. And the reason I said that was not because the tool itself is bad. It's because of the habits that have been created by loan officers where they use that as like, all right, well, this is my discovery. So they're going to do this. And then I'm just going to throw them into a loan and that's it. Whereas like, you know, your best opportunity to create a relationship is having a conversation with them, understanding their situation and Again, I, there's nothing wrong with technology. Obviously, you can use it for your success, but sometimes you have to have a conversation. And that's the most scalable model is talking to people, right? Like, or maybe it's not scalable, but it's something that's going to work the best, right? It's going to be the most effective. So anyway. I would agree with that. I think that because a lot of what is scalable is differentiation. And sure. the primary way of creating a difference in people's lives is by letting them see the difference in you. If people talk with me, you know, for 20 minutes and they talk with a a lot of other loan officers, I'm going to stand out just because I have knowledge of quite a few things. And also, you know, I have a pretty good flow in terms of explaining what the process is for clients and, and kind of building trust. Now, you know, sometimes what people need to hear and what they want to hear is not always great. When you get a call for down payment assistance, the keyword is not down payment. The keyword is assistance, meaning that you're still going to have to come up with some of your own money. Right. And people don't understand kind of the world in which their loan lives as far as, you know, closing the mortgage. And for something that comprises so much of the country's economic health and even kind of our country's opinion of self-worth, like, you know, home ownership in this country has a much different and more impactful in terms of like your self-esteem, like I own a host, I have a piece, you know, because it's that frontier mentality, but like if you watch, exactly. But if you watch like how the business news media covers it, it's not always covered in a way that explains it to clients. You know, there's a lot of esoteric stuff that our industry doesn't do a very good job of explaining to clients. Individual loan officers will do 
good jobs. And I think that's one of the good things with social media is the ability to do that. Sure. And the sad thing about this kind of pullback is that the people that have most effects are younger loan officers. And the industry for too long has been too middle-aged, too white, and it needs to get younger. It needs to get more diverse and sure. it needs to get younger. The average loan officers are 57 and white. Woo! Yep. I'm average. Um, <laughs> but if you want to address like you need more persons of color, you need younger people. The largest cohort of new home buyers is second generation immigrants. Sure. And, you know, that's why I'm proud of like what New American does is because they have really committed towards helping underserved neighborhoods and reaching out to underserved, particularly you know, in California, you know, the Hispanic market, they've really tried to create an opportunity for people to, uh, you know, get loans that speak their language. And one of the things that I've done with our local buyer connect program is when I use a realtor referral, I had a client who was relocating and he spoke good English, but Japanese was his home language. And sometimes people speak very good English, but financially they think in another language. And so I said, would you prefer a Japanese speaking realtor? Now he was relocating from South Carolina to Orange County. So that was a one minute Google search to find that. But he was like, no loan officer ever offered that option to me. And he was ecstatic. And he had been shopping up to that point. I spoke with a couple and vetted it so that it was a good fit. And lo and behold, they're shopping actively. They haven't uh, found anything yet. Wow. And that's a, quite a market. So as we're talking about the market, let's talk about that. Like we talked about like, you know, we need more younger people. So let's say like, if you were to start over today, maybe you're just coming into the industry today versus 25 years ago, like what would you do to go out and get business? Like how would you go up and get business today? I would want to partner up with a realtor who is a little bit older and successful where mm-hmm. I wanted to be, and then partner up with newer people that I could grow with. As far as a realtor context, I probably would want to make sure that I got with a company that did a lot of training within their aspect. I think coaching is good, but I think sometimes, you know, the coach that you need when you're 25 and the coach that you need when you're 35 can be different and the coach that you need when you're 45. And so I think it's also important to find someone that speaks to you. You know, the real estate mortgage industrial complex as far as coaching goes, that's one that I'm surprised is not, you know, if you look at who the big coaches are, the majority of the big names that pop out are all middle-aged white guys. Though there's right. some ones I'm most excited about. There's a couple uh, sales coaches, Christina Beckwith and Cindy Ertner. Sure. Why I like them is that where I am in my business, you know, the people that I want to recruit and work with aren't necessarily going to be you know, have the same background than me, which is great. But I know that it's important for me to be the type of leader. It's helpful for me to have empathy and understand that not everyone's background is the same. And that there's been plenty of times where a, you know, a female loan officer has to be twice as good to be considered just as good because of just sales sexism. The one good thing about like sales is at the end of the day, volume has no gender. Volume has no race. If your numbers are top, it's not going to matter. But sometimes getting there. But I think sometimes it can be helpful. Like if I was a young woman starting out, I probably wouldn't necessarily go to some of the older white guys for coaching expertise. I think also it's important to look for mentorship. Because I'm an introvert, I never liked really going to like networking events, though I'm actually a very 
I'm an efficient networker because of LinkedIn. And I actually have done a lunch and learn series on networking for introverts, but I'm not a big, you know, if it's a cocktail hour of beautiful people, I'm not your guy. My wife is great at those, but I'm not, but she's sure. attractive and vivacious and all that stuff. So sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like a little bit of both. I'm like a, probably an introverted extrovert, but if I know the people that I'm around, I'm pretty loud and proud. But if I'm going to a networking event where I don't know anybody, I don't enjoy that situation. The key with networking all. though, is it's what you do the day after. And sure. just like uh, the day that you get the lead, it doesn't matter. What matters the subsequent deep. And so, you know, if you're an introvert and you're trying to network, you know, obviously get their card, follow them up on LinkedIn, connect with them. In some sure. cases, I've written handwritten thank you cards. Hey, it was great meeting you. All of that stuff. You know, all that stuff's done in the privacy of my office. And I think also kind of pick your spot. You know, if you don't like deep sea fishing, that's probably not the place to do networking because you're going to be not. miserable on both things. You know, but if you probably like not. WWE wrestling, like that might be a great networking event, you know? Sure. Yep. Yep. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think so many times like you start out and you're just trying to like do everything you can to get business. And I mean, I did a lot of the BNIs and things like that when I was starting out and I realized that I network better online. So I just, I started doing everything on Facebook, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, it was just building relationships online. And then, you know, I'd meet people in person. It felt like I'd known them forever, but I didn't have to do kind of the awkward, like walk up to someone and like, you know, so I do think just depending on who you are, there's a lot of ways to do it. And I know, you know, historically it's been, well, you got to go to these networking events and go belly to belly. And I think that is huge. I do think belly to belly is going to get you a good leg up. But I do think that for people that maybe aren't as comfortable doing that, there's other ways to get the similar or same result. If not better, because I think social media is one of the best ways to network at scale, you know, across, you know, the entire country. Like I make it a point really only to connect on LinkedIn with people like if they don't keep their LinkedIn profile reasonably up to date or they don't have a picture or they're from Nigeria or Russia, I probably won't connect with them. Just, you know, any place where there's a lot of scams, I don't do that. And you're seeing a lot of AI companies where it's like, okay, this isn't a real person. Um, right. And so they're from, well, like Raven, Raven, I'm going to call them out. They do tons of bots and I've like blocked them because, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. I've heard Raven's been bombing everybody. That's funny that you brought They do a lot of that. AI stuff because it's not real people because if you go in and you Google their LinkedIn profile will be very impressive but it lacks a lot of depth and stuff like that sure um, sure sure but the great thing with link is you can see the resume and then you know there's some industries where i'm not sure the connection but you know i think if you follow a lot of coaching one of the things that they have you track is great conversations and great sure. conversations can come from a lot of different sources and stuff like that and that's certainly something to be open to on that sure Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we're kind of closing out here, if someone wanted to connect with you on one of these platforms, what's the best way that they can uh, connect with you? LinkedIn, you know, you just Google Stephen Moy, LinkedIn, New American Funding will pop up. I'm on Twitter at Stephen Moy, and that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-M-O-Y-E. -E. Same thing with Instagram. I'm on Facebook, you know, same thing, Stephen Moy. I'm on Facebook, though, less and less, just it seems like more of the business stuff is being done elsewhere. And, you know, sure. I've always been more about LinkedIn anyway. Sure, sure. As far as that goes. But 
you know, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, for everybody who's listening, you know, I think the biggest takeaways for me from this conversation is just really kind of regarding the follow-up process and not follow-up per se in terms of like new leads or anything. It's just like in general, systemizing your business so that you have trackable actions that you can take on every particular person that you come in contact with, right? Whether it be a new lead, an old lead, a database, someone who you've closed in the past, like that is going to take you a long way. And it's going to, I mean, you know, you're going to be able to close deals that came in one, two, three years before, you know, if you weren't in contact with them, someone else would take that deal. So I think that to me was one of the big takeaways from this conversation is, hey, if you're going to pay for leads, or even if you're not going to pay for leads, you need to work your database. You need to do whatever you can to pull as many deals out of that as possible. So really that's huge. And making sure that you have a trackable system in order to do that is huge. So if you are looking for help on flipping the status quo on the real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. And thank you, Steven, so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.